Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is Go Long with Dunn and Monus, part of the Go Long Network, golongtd.com, the podcast fueled by our good friends at Fatty Beer Company. Nick, Chris, we love you. We thank you. Uh, we're going to be in-house, probably the Orchard Park location, maybe the Hamburg location. Maybe we hit them all up. We've got a long off season to drink a lot of beer and talk a lot of football. So uh, be on alert for live shows. Uh, it was just a hell of a time when we did do it before the Bills Bengals game. And then even before the Bills Packers regular season game. So thank you to fatty and also at go long, uh, have a, a ton going on. Make sure you read the newsletter, get the emails and consider becoming a VIP member, Jim, because we're going to be ramping up these happy hours at go long in a big, big way. Jamal Williams oh, is unbelievable. I, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, you probably caught Jamal <laughs> happy hour, the anime, the farmer Fran references, the touchdown celebrations, which if, if Rihanna can do whatever Rihanna was doing up there, you know, like, I mean, you know, earmuffs kids touching herself and then smelling her fingers. It was you know, quite interesting for Rihanna, to put it mildly, that how come Jamal Williams can't gyrate his hips after he scores a touchdown? Typical NFL hypocrisy, if you ask me. Uh, Jamal was fantastic. So, yes, the happy hours are exclusive to our VIP members now. You get the hoodie I'm wearing here right now. They just came in hot off the press from downtown Buffalo. Much better, we, we, not the screen printing that we did before, Jim. So people um, left and right were telling me how it started peeling off. So we did a you know, the, the same exact company, positive approach, downtown Buffalo that helps out uh, Dell in 26 shirts. So yeah. black hoodies, uh, the Carolina blue, go long logo right on it. You get that hoodie, you get a signed copy of the blood and guts, how tight end save football, and you get full happy hour access. When you become a VIP member, the link is in the description on Apple, Spotify, go this week. I'm not going to announce it on the pod quite yet, but be on alert. We have an unbelievable guest for Friday night. One of my all time favorite athletes to cover 
he may or may not be a Green Bay Packer, and they may or may not have felt a magnetic pull toward this offensive lineman in his corner of the locker room because he just didn't give a shit. He told the truth, and he was, he was I'd call him a fan favorite to some degree. So, yes, those happy hours are going to be in high volume through the regular season. So we'd love it if you consider becoming a VIP today. Thank you to everybody who's already done so. All right, that's my spiel, Jim. We've got some football to talk. Um, Super Bowl 57. I almost went the Roman numeral route. We're going to stick to uh, plain English here. Kansas City Chiefs, 38. Philadelphia Eagles, 35. You know, we we text during these games, not as much as I wish we did. But at halftime, I think we were texting what a lot of people were thinking, right? Eagles have this. What a shame. Patrick Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes. He had to be special for them to win this game. Now he's not special. And I think we're just kind of bracing for a ugly second half uh, where he's just kind of quarantined in the pocket and can't really do a hell of a lot. Boy, were we all dead wrong. He is like Tom Brady in that regard. It doesn't matter what the hell is going on. It doesn't matter what he's going through. It doesn't matter what happens in the course of a game. He rises to the moment. There are such a small select group of athletes in any sport, Jim, that just, they, the, the, the bigger the moment, the higher the pressure, Jordan flu game stuff. Like the worse the situation is, these are the dudes who just make spectacular plays, spectacular moments. That was Patrick Mahomes. 13 of 14 in the second half. The one incompletion was a throwaway. Uh, unbelievable. Two passing touchdowns. The 26-yard run is the longest run of the year. I, I guess we start there, right, with a second half that nobody saw coming when everybody should have seen it coming. Tyler, yes. That game took me through the emotions of don't ever bet on a quarterback who might be hurt. Because this is what happens. He is hurt. Game's over. I I guess when I think about it real quick, I feel like it was almost like if he came out of the second half and showed life and wasn't shot putting the ball like Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson a couple, a couple weeks ago. He actually mm-hmm. showed he could make some throws. It was almost like, okay, it gave the Chiefs that confidence to say, hey, we can still make plays. <laughs> then they they, they they score right away and it was like, Okay, he's going to be able to get us through this half on however, whatever he can do, however he's going to do it. He'll get us through to the best of his ability. And the rest of the team rallies around that. And that's football. That's emotions. That's the the roller coaster ride that we talk about really every week, the week to week league of this, you know, the crazy NFL. But okay, let me get my hot take out. Ooh. I gave you Andy Reid better than Bill Belichick if he would win this Super Bowl. So I'm going to stick with it. We'll see. You know, that's it's debatable. I just wanted to bring it up. We do My have to get to Andy Reid because you were, you were right on there. I, good. I want to get into that with your thoughts on that. But here it is. Tom Brady, to me, is Bill Russell. Patrick Mahomes is Jordan or LeBron, however you want to get into that argument. I won't get into it. That's it. Brady's going to be the greatest ever because I don't think Mahomes will ever get that many rings, right? So we're just going to say Brady's the greatest ever because he has this many rings. 
just like Bill Russell has all these rings that really isn't realistic or comparable, but you don't want to take away from the dominance that he was. But pure talent, you're just basing the position on pure talent. Nobody's ever taking Bill Russell. And Tom Brady, he was a he- the greatest quarterback ever, not the most talented quarterback ever, and he's not going to be the greatest ever. Patrick Mahomes, we're going to witness it. In, if he can stay healthy, right, all, all the big if, which to Tom Brady's credit is amazing. Um, but if Mahomes stays healthy, we're just going to be along for the ride. Every AFC championship, it's either going to be Burrow and Mahomes or Lamar and Mahomes, Herbert Mahomes, Josh Allen Mahomes. Mahomes will be in it. I like the comparison. I love the comparison. And it's absolutely true. I, I think it's got to be – a little mortifying to be any other team in the AFC and watch this game, watch the Super Bowl. I mean, if, if Patrick Mahomes isn't going to win a Super Bowl, it's this one. It's when he is playing on a high ankle sprain, an injury that keeps players out several weeks, if not months, let alone a quarterback who relies on his athleticism and mobility and operating outside of the pocket and zigging and zagging. And we all remember the last Super Bowl when he's running for his life. I mean, it, it would have been this one. So if you're if you're the Bills with Josh Allen, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Dolphins with Tua Tunga Viola, I mean, go go right down the list. Go right down the list. Any quarterback, any team, it's got to be pretty damn demoralizing to see Patrick Mahomes at twenty seven. He's twenty seven years old. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he's on this lifetime contract that yeah, they paid the quarterback, but it, it is. If you're going to go that, it is team friendly. He gets it. He, he's like Tom Brady that way. It he it understands is. it's about rings, right? Something that maybe some other quarterbacks over time, to their credit, get every dime you can, but there's a little sacrifice there. Um, and they've got a smart GM. They've got a 64 year old coach that, I mean, that retirement stuff was kind of silly before the game, you know, just talking to his buddy, Jake Laser. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah, they're they're set up for, for long-term success. It's just so funny. I, I laugh at these playoff games when a team loses. It doesn't matter who it is. It's instantly, whether it's the team social media accounts or Jim Nance and Tony Romo after the 13-second game or, you know, we, we watch these incredible playoff games. And what what do we hear? Oh, they're going to be back next year, Jim. They're going to be back. Like, they, Well, yeah, I, maybe, but Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. you got to deal with this dude every year. Um it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because if he's doing this under these conditions, um, when, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts was unbelievable. We're going to get into that. We're we'll get, get into him later, but like one of the best Super Bowl performances statistically ever, and it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, I think that the Chiefs and Mahomes, um, I mean, I'm not telling people anything they don't know, but they're, no. they're it's, it's an all-time coach with an all-time quarterback, and I love the Russell-Jordan comparison. It's it's like all these other quarterbacks, as much as we love them, we, we praise Allen for doing things we've never seen, Burrow for being that Joe Cool, Joe Montana, Slicey and Dicey. R- right now, they're just a collection of U- Patrick Ewings and Hakeem Olajuwans and Carl Malone's and Alonzo Mornings and Sean Kemp's. They're just, just they're just li- they're just living in Mahomes' world right now. That was good. You rolled off some good names right there. Hey man, that's that's my heyday. Oh, I same, love with, me. same with me. I, I really wanted to sneak Brian Reeves in there, big country, but you know, 
you always have a little feel for it. you. You pull out some of the best like '90s basketball players I haven't thought of, or it's the I love that. Um, yeah, this is going to I mean, be. We're, we're not being prisoners of the moment, right? No, I, it's no, very no. easy the Monday after the Super Bowl to get caught up into no. the hype, but no. And please call us out if you think we're over the top here, everybody. But I, that was. I, you know, here's here's something I want to ask you, Jim, because we talked about it a little bit leading up to the game, and, and then it was magnified when he rolled that ankle again. We see Patrick Mahomes; he's on the bench; he's just writhing in pain. It looks like he just got shot on sight, didn't it? And just agonizing pain. He's just gonna peel over, and we see him go to the locker room. We all assume he's just getting shots of Toradol and cortisone. And he said after the game, he didn't even get any treatment. He, he just retaped the ankle. Like he just rolled it really, really bad. Gets back out there, but in a weird, like spin zone way, it, it, the injury just forced him to be a pocket passer, stick with his reads, you know, not having Tyreek Hill all season kind of helped him in that department where he's, if he's playing within the offense, with Andy Reid, I mean it's 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 like a, it's a different Mahomes, but maybe even a more dangerous Mahomes. I mean he's he's seeing the field and he's not trying to do anything too crazy, right? He's not going to extend a play that doesn't need to be extended. And usually he does still make the play, like that flip to McKinnon earlier this year. We've talked about he, he still has made it, but he just wasn't even thinking about it because he's just playing within the offense. And and when Andy Reid's dialing up, I mean he was in Jonathan Gannon's head. In the red zone. I mean, Kadarius Tony one direction, then Sky Moore the other in the back-to-back touchdowns. It was, you know, Doug Peterson told Andy Reid how they over-pursue, right? They're buddies. I think I, I heard this today. And he told, hey, like, this is a defense that's going to over-pursue. And Andy Reid took advantage of it. So Patrick Mahomes, just he just changes his game. Just becomes like a, a, a prototypical smart pocket passer. And that's what's scary too, is like he, he can just be a normal quarterback and still be the best quarterback in football, let alone being healthy and, you know, zigging and zagging and turning the field into his own maze. But did you think that helped him in, in a weird way? Because I mean, they were unstoppable. The second half, they were unstoppable and they ran the ball a little bit more, but Checo McKinnon, there was balance. They get the big return. Um, he, it almost forced him to be a more disciplined player. Yes. You can't ever say that he can do whatever you need him to do, I guess, is what we're finding out. It's just what it says. Like, hey, if I have to go this way, I can go this way, too. Um, But at the end of the day, you can never take the playmaker out of somebody. But certainly he understood, you know, hey, we're going to have to call certain plays. You're going to have to get rid of the ball in this amount of time, blah, blah, blah. However, they set that up at halftime. It's just, I mean, to perfection. Like hard to believe everything we sit there and talk about. I don't think we're, I don't think we're over the top, like talking about this caught in the moment. Like you said, I don't think we are either. Like I make those jokes about hot takes, but I actually believe them. I'm just, I'm ready for the, I'm ready to take on the abuse on Reed better than Belichick. I'm ready to take on Mahomes, you know, and Brady. I'm good with it. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm confident what we watch talent wise. I never thought, I mean, whoever thought we'd see better shooters than Larry Bird? And Larry Bird, I watch those. He looks like it takes him 10 minutes to get a three-pointer off. <laughs> Steph Curry can hit five in, in the time it takes him to shoot one. And I love Larry Bird. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take away from him. I'm just saying how these guys evolve, how the game evolves and the athletes evolve. 
Patrick Mahomes, I, I just don't even know what we're watching. Like we don't we don't yeah. see this guy on tape in college. And oh, by the way, and that game had a college feel to it last night. I thought it was going to be a straight. It just had that college, you know, like this is going to be up and down. But that goes to show you how, like, when quarterbacks are are that that talented, just like in basketball, when the offense is on, it doesn't matter how good a defense you play. You're not stopping that guy. That's a, I, will, I will always believe that. When the offense is that talented and that on, when Kobe Bryant's on, he's getting 80. You can, be, you can be whoever you want. You're not defending him. And last night, those defenses weren't bad defenses last night. Those are good defenses. Well, Eagles are number one in the NFL. They're one of the top defenses. But kind of another case of who do they play? I mean, when you really look at their schedule it's and break split. it down no, game no to doubt. game, you can you can pick it apart. Um, you they know, have you know they do. Yeah, I, I don't want to minimize it. I mean, they yeah. had seven, 78 sacks and then nothing in this game. So no, against a quarterback who couldn't move. Also, I think it does tell you, though, that sacks are kind of a quarterback stat because even though he couldn't move, man, he was getting the ball out. He knew where the pressure was coming. He He was so sharp against their pressure. Tyler, feel for the pocket. I think the important stat to pay attention to that I pay attention to is the percentage of sacks. They call sack percentage and they have it on offense and defense. And I think you pay attention. I pay attention to those more than the actual number of sacks because sack percentage shows you, it gives you a good idea of, Hey, they're not getting, they're, they're not getting to the quarterback. Like they're not finishing the drill. And that it's a good, it's just a good way to offset, if, you know, if you want to just get rid of total number of sacks, you know. I, like I love that. You made you made a really good point on just there. There's athletes in any sport that just force the sport to evolve, and it was a lot of fun. And in this book over my shoulder, like Tony Gonzalez was at it tight end. He just forced scouts and coaches to just wrap their head around a different type of player, a six four. Mm-hmm basketball power forward who is too small to get to the NBA, you know, he's, but, but he times up his rebounds and he's getting off his jump shot against those people in the paint. And then you put him in a, on a football field and he's unstoppable. I mean, to the extreme, that's Patrick Mahomes, right? He, he is forcing the game to evolve because he just isn't, he's playing the position in ways we've never seen. And he is just, he's just turned the position into this interpretation of his own making of this combination of sports. Uh, it, it was really fun looking back at a story I did at Bleacher Report. And I kind of worked it into my story today where, I mean, he, he played everything growing up. We know, you know, his dad was a professional baseball player, obviously. And when he's a little kid, what's that? Patrick was a hooper too. Oh, that, oh yeah. I was, I'm getting to that. Oh my I God. Know, yeah. Unbelievable basketball player. But, you know, with the baseball, I remember his godfather, LaTroy Hawkins, who played with Pat Sr. with the Twins. He said how Pat Jr.'s out there, I mean, not even a teenager, maybe he's 9, 10, just catching pop-ups from big league players. You know, he's not he's not afraid of the ball hitting him in the face. He's just calmly catching it, like little things like that. And then he gets into high school, you know, he's, he has a wooden bat in these tournaments with his buddies, and he just looks at Coleman Patterson, one of his best friends, and says, eh. I'm going to try hitting lefty. I've never done it before. Steps up to the plate, just blasts it. Home run, hitting lefty. Why not? Basketball, um, his high school basketball coach just put it perfectly. And the way he described his basketball game, 
is exactly how Patrick Mahomes plays football. Like on a basketball court, he was so adept at like baiting a double team or a triple team. Like he could just kind of dribble to an area of the court and bring people in. And then he could see the entire court, see where everybody was and know exactly where he had to go with the ball. Like that's how he plays quarterback. Like he's, he's out there luring your def- your defenders to go a certain direction, whether it's your, your D linemen, your linebackers, your DBs. He gets you kind of moving and swaying and shifting and. He knows exactly where the vacancy is going to be on the football field. I mean, he, he's, and then he, the, the, the literal manner in which he throws is obviously really similar to baseball. I mean, any possible arm angle, he's throwing it. Golf, he's on, you know, the 10th hole in Tyler, Texas with his buddies. The hole's 310 yards away, just right over the tree line, almost gets it all the way there. It blasts a cart of the group that's up near the hole. <laughs> they, they look back. Oh, it's Patrick. Well, he, he's just a, He's just a natural where, yes, he's he had the dad bod and his college teammates are making fun of him and they're telling him to go eat another cheeseburger and calling him fat and chubby and he doesn't look like an athlete at all. Yeah, he's just such a natural talent that he just figure, figures it out. He's a maniacal competitor. I mean, Coleman said another story where they're in Nashville just a couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, throwing axe, you know, those hatchet and hot places. And he lost the first game and he just said he got pissed and he just, he ran the table, just beat everybody. Cause there's like a little trophy you could take home. He needed a little trophy. So he's, he's a freak. I mean, the stories you hear about Patrick Mahomes, eerily similar to Tom Brady's stories, right? All the, the legendary tales from the Bay area to Michigan to new England. It's, it's Jordan stuff. It, it's just that, that, that rare maniacal competitive fire that isn't going to just go out. His worst season, Jim, it's crazy when you think about this. Patrick Mahomes' worst season as a pro is when he lost in overtime of the AFC Championship game. That's his worst season. He hasn't, he hasn't had a bad season. He's been the most dominant player in the sport from the word go. I think if he were to retire today, if Patrick Mahomes just quits today, he's the third best quarterback ever behind Brady in Montana. Would you calm down trying to get no, I'm leading I'm leading lead, I'm I'm gradually say, you know I'm I'm leading to the twenty seventeen draft, right? Sorry. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'd actually just say he's the best ever. The heck with it. But uh yeah, why not? I will say this. Every time we talk about how great that seventeen draft was and, and proud as proud proud can be, man. The whole NFL, the Cleveland Browns had the first pick of that draft. Mm. Every team, every, every team, team. plenty of people had chances. It I mean, really I just think about look. I, my point of that was as great <clears throat> as that 17 draft was, and then the Bills turned it into and used the ammo to get Josh Allen. It, it still it probably doesn't equal <laughs> just drafting Mahomes, right? Right. I mean, I, I, I was that. a hell of a pick, and. Charles yeah, Barkley was a hell of a pick. That still changes a lot of things. I mean, so much has to happen. And, you know, I, I you know, we can get into that another time. But what a perfect situation Kansas City is for Patrick Mahomes. So when Terry Pagula is watching the Super Bowl, you, you were in those meetings with him leading up to this draft. Yeah, you knew how much he loves Patrick Mahomes. What do you think is running through his mind when it comes to this oh, he, he's, football stuff? I would think he might be just tired of it. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just it still blows my mind that he was the one Any- person who knew. He knew. He knew. Anybody that anybody that's around him that's watching the Super Bowl because that that's probably a you know family friend type. Um, they they it's documented. I'm sure they've heard it. He may bring it up just to make sure they remember. Just he should. No, I did. Yeah, you guys know I did want to drink. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes is is a god. We've established that. There's nothing he can't do. He can walk on water. He's insane. Yeah. What about that 26 yard run too? I mean, to <laughs> if you, I, I have watched that so many times. He makes it look so easy, but there are so many quarterbacks when they're just submerged by five green jerseys, like Mahomes was. They they freak out or they mm-hmm. turn the wrong way. They're, it's either a sack or they're brought down. I mean, he had to know to hit the gas and take off exactly when he did or Hassan Reddick just trips him up. It's it, it, the timing. That's that's what it's about in these clutch moments. The timing of his decision making. It's got it. He's maybe that's what that's really what everybody missed, right? The decision making. I mean, he knows what to do and when to do it. Whereas some of these other elite quarterbacks are still prone to uh, what's going to happen in this spot. Maybe get a little helter skelter. Um, so Andy Reed is obviously the other side of this equation on the podcast. When I was in Phoenix, you had the take that he is the greatest coach of all time with the Super Bowl win. He just coached his best game ever. Really was uh, masterful has to be right up there. Yeah, I think you know, that you funny. have a lot of people agreeing with you that might have disagreed when they heard that. At least it's, I mean, like I said, I, I believe it, but obviously we can, that's always, there's no right answer, but I just at least want to make sure we understand what he's accomplished. That first half though, they weren't great offensively in that first half, regardless of his ankle. They weren't, they didn't make, they made it look easier in the second half than they did the first half. Um, and I was shocked. We text each other that Andy Reid kicked that field goal. Oh, that was egregious. Tyler, for me, so I'm sitting there saying, man, I'm going to eat my words. Like, I'm sitting there trying to put this guy, you know, on that level of coach. Not only that, but, I mean, if we're going to nitpick Andy Reid here, I mean, that was bad to to kick a field goal and then it hit the crossbar. It didn't didn't feel right at all, did it? Like, it's three points in this game. But also to go up – to go up eight after the Sky Moore touchdown, right? You kick the extra point. And thought about going for nine. Eight. Go, go right? for nine. Go for nine. Make it a two-score game at that point. I mean, Jalen Hurts came right down, scored, two-point conversion, tie ball game. I get it. Hindsight 2020, ifs and buts, so, all that stuff. But that's something that all coaches should do. Because if you kick the – right, if you kick the extra point, I mean – I mean, maybe Sirianni goes for two to win the game. I, I doubt it. I, that's what I was going to say. I I swear, I swear to you, I, that's exactly what I thought. You that's think I so? I think he would have done it. I think he said to heck with it. Because I, I don't think he could have been stopped. They knew it. They couldn't stop him. But then Philly can't stop Kansas City. Then so just go for two yourself and end the game. I'm with you on that too. Yeah. I would have been okay with that. It is weird. I mean, we, we, I have killed Sean McDermott for that yeah. kind of stuff. 
I guess he, you know, he was with Andy Reid. It's just weird that Andy Reid is so sharp schematically and just innovative and forward thinking and misdirection. And yet when it comes to that, that he would just kind of be a dinosaur. I have a feeling, I have a feeling Andy Coach Reid isn't going to be doing any gambling uh, when he retire after he retires. I don't think he's going to be downloading the DraftKings app and betting on games. I, I, I he doesn't seem like that kind of risk taker, uh, he can right. draw up an offense. He can mess with you in the red zone all day long. But when it comes to maybe taking a chance, he didn't show me that last night. But he recovered. His He played to his strengths. I don't even want to, I don't even I want have, to say it. I know what Peyton Manning said about halftime adjustments, but I have to think that the extended halftime helped. I mean, they they had an answer for everything. They had the Eagles on their toes the entire second half. So it, it had to have helped. And the experience kicks in. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with the Eagles because we're going to get into them, but they're going against a, a, a damn good quarterback, a damn good coach. It was an all-time Super Bowl right up until two minutes and change, Jim. And we have to we have to talk oh. about this. We have to. Um, I agree okay, here's my. And I, I want to. I want to hear. We 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 don't even know what each other. Well, you probably know what I think. I don't know what you think about this yet. No, I. Well, we're usually good. The. <laughs> I don't know how you call that at that point of the game. I mean, I feel like in the NFL. So, you you remember how this works, right? Like every training camp. Uh, when when I'm on the beat with the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo News, same deal. Like the the officials come to one of your practices, right? I remember I remember Ed Ed Hockley came to Green Bay once, and he actually had like a little press conference. And McGinn, I'll never forget McGinn asked him a great question. He's like, you know, Ed, sometimes when you announce a decision, a penalty, you're you're quite like emphatic with it. And he started laughing. He's like, yeah. So it was a great question. I forget. I don't even know why. I don't even know his justification for being so animated. What what it was, but why well, he was so the, proud of it, like proud. Yeah, of it. right. I mean, it's their chance to show off. Hey, I got the guns. Look at me. Uh, but they come every training camp, and there's a point of emphasis for that season, right? Whether it's illegal contact for the corners, whether it's something in the trenches, there's always like a point of emphasis each year. And then in the exhibition games, what what happens? There's flags all over the place. Because they're trying, they're like, and even in early in the season, even in September, flags all over the place, just because they're trying to like beat down in your head. You can't do this. And then what happens? Everything kind of lets up over time. Like there's this progression to the mean, to reality, to sanity. Like we get to a place where, okay, it's football again <laughs> by the playoffs. For the most part, in the case of Nikel Roby Coleman, to the extreme, they let them play. Like you get in the playoffs and you you let the players decide these games. You don't inject yourself into the competition. And in this game between the Chiefs and the Eagles, I, I feel like the officiating crew was mostly letting them play. I mean, I, I saw some grabbing and tugging and I loved it. They, for the most part, they were letting them play. Now there was a ton of inconsistency on what in the, what in the hell it catches. I still don't know. I don't think anybody has a freaking clue. I mean, that's a whole conversation for a whole other day. Awful. Agreed. But in terms Agreed. of the stuff in the defensive backfield, unless I was just watching a different game, it, it felt like the, it was somewhat established. Okay. Like you can do, you can play this way. And even James Bradbury, you know, to a fault, uh, he's, you know, he's just such a nice guy. He's not going to, he's not going to stir the boat. He's going to be accountable. Professional. I, I, 
I've done a story to him in the past. He's a stand, stand up as stand up gets. Um, he, he did say, look, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I know I held him a little bit and I was just going to let it ride. I hope they didn't see it. And that's how it works with these corners, right? In the course of a game, they're talking to their coaches. Like, here's what you can get away with. Here's what you can't. Here's how they're calling the game. It felt so out of the ordinary for the type of game that it was. And for the moment, third down, a chance for Philly to get the ball, get the ball back. Obviously, that's what we all want. If we don't have a, if we're not cheering for one of these teams, we want Jalen Hurts to get the ball back. We want the dramatics. I, I admit that. But get, given everything, I just, I don't think that we're sitting here on Monday morning bitching about the penalty that they missed if they don't call. If that makes any sense, I don't think we're all up, up in arms. Oh my God, how could they miss that hold? I don't think the Chiefs fans would have been that much. They would have said, you know what? As great as we were in the second half, we couldn't convert that third down, and then we had to get a stop, and we either could or couldn't. Um, but the officials injected themselves into an all-time classic of a game, and it's predictable, it's pathetic, and it's going to keep happening again, sadly. I can't disagree with anything you said other than it was a penalty. And it's hard. It, I don't know. I don't have a great answer on this one because I agree with every single thing you said. Consistency is all we can ask for, I think, when it comes to officiating. And to your point, it looked like that type of play was getting kind of, you can do that today. The Jersey tug is always going to make the official feel like he has to throw the flag because that's what everybody can see. Right. Everybody in the stands, everybody on TV can see the jersey tug. Not the official that was closest, Jim. So he didn't throw it. Saying. It was an official. So saying it was on the third. Well, he hit him. I mean, you could have called him for the hook or the jersey tug. I mean, yeah. To your once again, tough. I don't <clears> want to get into it like that because I don't even want to defend anybody on it. I thought it was a penalty, but I I love how what you said. I don't think any of us would be complaining about it. But I can remember early on, I want to say it was the first drive after a 7-7, I believe. They they uh they hooked uh Juju they hit they hooked Juju and they didn't call it. I mean it was a it was an easy one to see. We all saw that was a PI. Consistency. Like, That's a third. That was easy. We all saw that one. Everybody was like, oh yeah, that was a PI, they let it go. I want my officials like I want my politicians. You know what? If you're an extreme leftist or if you're on the right side of the aisle, like at least be who you are and we know who you are and we know how your policies are going to come down. Like don't be spineless flip flopping. It just, we, and that's the thing. We kind of thought we knew what type of game this was and it wasn't. Now here's the other problem too. It really wasn't even catchable. It wasn't, you just kind of threw it up there, right? Which like makes it the line. is. It, it goes to your point even more. Like we're not going to complain about that. And also, do we don't we let these receivers and corners kind of jostle and go at it for a little bit before the route gets going? Never ending debate. <sighs> Man, I I, I didn't think I have I'm any a... empathy for Philadelphia fans, but I do a little bit. But here's where I don't, Jim. I don't. Here's where I don't. Yeah, I don't. Here's where I don't. The defense was not good. Agreed. You got beat by the better team. You're a great okay. team, and you might see them again next year, like we all talk about. Who knows? But you, no, I don't feel bad for you knowing that 
what Mahomes did gutting through that somehow. I lo- it's just incredible to me to play that position against that type of defense that is gets after the quarterback. They hey, what about get- Brett Veach and the Chiefs front office? Oh, you know it's how just, we've talked. Yeah. We, I it's, guess we've talked about it, but. I mean, just as, as far Kadarius as. Kadarius like, Tony. Kadarius Tony. So Hello. I was gonna- Longest part return in Super Bowl history. You brought him up. You brought him up as, you know, remember the other day you said, is that a guy that, you know, could have a, you know, one of those guys we don't talk about. And you, you brought his name up and I said, he scares me to death because he's a wild card because he's so gifted, but he's, you just don't know if he's going to fumble a drop, or just a crazy play that you can't expect. But man, you see that talent. Could Andy Reid, he has never been afraid he has never been afraid to coach anyone. Right. Bill Belichick, same way. I feel like you, if you're not taking these calculated gambles, so this is where we get to tap into your front office acumen, Jim, because you, you guys took a few chances. Oh, yeah. But if, if, if you're completely unwilling to take a, a chance, you'll never play in this game. Mm-mm. You you need some players with some baggage. You just do. And guess what? It might backfire. It might come back to bite you. Um, and then you have to move on. And that, but Andy Reid, almost to a fault, has always been willing to to try something out. I mean, Kareem Hunt. They they drafted him. He led the league in rushing. Eventually, just they move on from him. Um, I mean, you can go right down the list. There's. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a conversation unto itself and everything he's been accused of. So it's, I, I pause to just glorify it and say like, it's every GM should be, you know, handing out second chances like they're Willy Wonka golden tickets, but you do have to take it case by case and you do have to take a risk here and there because when it comes down to these Super Bowls, we just saw it. Kadarius Tony made the play of the game, 64-yard punt return. And this was a guy that we've we've praised Joe Shane and Brian Dayball to kingdom come on this podcast, and, and rightfully so. He's the coach of the year. That's a player that it's, it's kind of crazy that any team couldn't find a spot for him. Uh, how does that not work out? E- even though you inherited him, it was a Gettleman pick. <laughs> you know Dave Gettleman's just lighting the cigar after seeing that as me. He may have been a, he may have been a lot this year with Barkley and Daniel Jones at least showing a little life even even though I don't but I don't know like I mean you guys took some chances um, is yeah. there like what's a risk that like worked out beautifully and one that you regret? Well, I, I'll tell you who was a little. This is a tough one to say. I wouldn't say regret. I don't have regrets on the on the pick. Carlos Williams always is going to be one that was what, a, what it if? was known. It was a known, but it was known. It wasn't a it wasn't a risk. We knew everything that we were getting. I hate to say that's the gambler, and sometimes in, in the front office, but when you make a pick, but hey, in the fifth round. If you're weighing things in the fifth round and you could have a chance to have the rookie of the year at running back, which he almost was, to he then his, you know, his his kind of his history of who he was took over 
I mean, hey, we saw what it we saw what it could have been, and that's why we took the chance. But in the end, it didn't work. Big, fast, explosive, was better than LaShawn McCoy for a few weeks there. For a few weeks, oh. I remember being on that beat thinking, man, I'd get well, Carlos Williams to Your ball. point was, it was, yeah, he caught your eye. I mean, that's, that's the point. Obviously, you would take McCoy, but it just, that's how talented he was for a little stretch. Yeah. And then things went off the rails and he, Goes oh, man, I'll, I'll never forget OTAs, Jim, when he came back for OTAs. When, and I I love talking to Carlos. He's still welcome on this podcast. I want to get him on. I know. I always, always love talking to Carlos. Up. I want to ask him about this, but he, I think all dads in the country have been through this at one point or another. His, his girlfriend, a fiance, maybe at the time was, was pregnant, right? He's having a baby and said he just kept eating because he felt bad. And he looked like a different player. He looked like a an offensive lineman when May rolled around and his career was basically over at that point. This is and this is right after his rookie season when he was incredible. I mean, maybe offensive lineman is a little harsh. But he was it's harsh, but forty it's pounds heavier, fifty. Uh, I don't think it was that. I want to say he was 260, Jim. I'd have to go back and I have to, you know what? I'll have to ask Whale if he remembers. It, 260, that sounds realistic. because Carlos he, had some really nice things to say about Doug and, and Matthew Fairburn's story, too, didn't he? Yes. That's We still got to make this podcast happen. So, Carlos, do you still think Doug should drink bleach? Yes or no? I mean, th- there has to be a way. That has to be an offseason. We've got time. <laughs> We've got time. Let's do it. That would be a good one. <laughs> I'll give Carlos this. And I'm obviously, you know, Fairburn's one of my best friends. And it was an unbelievable story. And he got him to open up. And he kind of captured the essence of this um, just erratic personality, this immense talent. It's He's he's one of the great what-ifs in recent Bills history. But I'll give Carlos this. Like, when that kind of blew up, and that was only one of the things he said. Maybe I, know, I remember him saying that he wanted Doug Whaley to drink bleach, and it was something else. Eat a dick, might I don't I don't remember what. I think you're. There's, I think it was all that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. He didn't. He didn't say he was misquoted. He just. He didn't. He, he didn't it. say. I don't, he owned it, and he apologized. He said I shouldn't yes. have said it. And I think that's the next step for Carlos. A year and a half later, we'll get him on the pod. Listen, one thing he needs to know. Anybody knows Doug Whaley and myself, we can let's just talk about it. It's it's all good. It's everybody's no competing. Doubt. Everybody wanted it to work. We wanted it to work. We drafted him. Like he has to understand that's a major thing. Like you don't just throw away a draft pick. Like we really we you know, we we wanted this to work. That's sometimes the players don't understand that. Like we're on your side on it. We're on your team. <laughs> I know. So Oh man. So that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a risk that was worth taking and you would take it again. There were a lot of risks that panned out. I mean, Richie incognito, nobody else in the NFL. So that was touching with a 10 foot pole. Um, granted his life kind of took every twist and turn imaginable, but for a period there, he was one of the best guards in the NFL after you acquired. No question. No question. He was great. Once again, and he owned things too. He owned things when they met, you know, when, when Rex and Doug and, and Russ Brandon, when they were meeting with him and decided to 
I wasn't involved in meeting with Richie and signing him like that. Um, they, they did a great job with it. And Richie came up here and just played football. Why don't we, uh, we're going to end this episode and part two, we want to talk Eagles. We'll kind of preview the off season, touch on different things around the NFL. So thank you for listening to part one. Mahomes is a Messiah, perhaps a descendant of Jesus Christ himself, some type of deity. Okay, that's a little extreme, but he's he's unbelievable. So that was part one. Uh, Part two, we're going to get into the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe a little bit of Buffalo Bills talk, kind of tie up some loose ends that we haven't had a chance to. So thank you very much, everyone. We'll uh, catch you here around the bend.